What? Huh? Yeah. What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Say it again, Hal. <laughs> there, are you happy? <laughs> Thank you for doing I that did with it. me. I enjoyed that very much. You know when an idea just sticks in your brain and you won't let it go? <laughs> it was like holding in a sneeze. Welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, where we stand, peace and weebs. I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And this week, we are covering the 2004 Hayao Miyazaki animated film, Howl's Moving Castle. Hey guys, please welcome Studio Ghibli back into our little watch party. We're doing a little book ending this month. We started with a Ghibli, and now we're ending with a Ghibli. Yes, guys, this concludes our coverage of the anime. <laughs> I've enjoyed that joke. <laughs> no, yeah, it's stupid, but... Before we get started, don't forget, go follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show, make suggestions, requests at kickingandstreamingpodcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, folks, please be practicing the three R's. Rate, review, retweet. Rate, review, retweet, guys. We want everyone to be able to come and join our little watch party. If you haven't given us a review yet, please... Please, please do that as a favor to us. If you think Sailor Mars should be the captain of the Sailor Scouts, please let us know that. Didn't someone at you directly over your Venus salt? Yeah, my friend Jess. I used to work with her at the clinic. She posted on her Instagram story. She was listening to the episode and she was like, I'm loving this except for Ross's Venus salt. <laughs> From master filmmaker Hayao Miyazaki, the director of the Academy Award-winning Spirited Away. That is ancient sorcery. Quite powerful, too. This summer, experience the epic tale of a young woman transformed by a mysterious curse. That's really me, isn't it? An enchanted moving castle. This is a magic house. And the one wizard powerful enough to set her free. This charm will guarantee your safe return. Walt Disney Studios presents a Studio Ghibli production of a Hayao Miyazaki film. Hold on. This June, journey to amazing new worlds. Find me in the future! Aboard Howl's Moving Castle. novel. This comes from a book called Howl's Moving Castle by Diana Wynne-Jones. and it's, it's British. Yes, it is a British story. I believe it originally takes place in Wales. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to stop. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. You want to talk in accents the whole time? No. not You don't want to be offensive? No. I understand. You know, 
I'm good babes. I'm entirely good babes. Miyazaki specifically made this movie as a middle finger to George Bush and the rest of America. Isn't that great? Thank you. Thank, <laughs> thank you, Mr. Miyazaki. He was so anti-Iraq war, which many of us are, you and I included. Indeed. And anti-war in general. Yeah, we're yeah, we're both big anti-war people. Not on the war. Seriously, he wanted to make a movie that was gonna ruffle some feathers. And I just kind of respect that. <laughs> like all this money making this gorgeous piece of art that is just a political middle finger. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what's honestly fried about this film? What? Well, first of all, it's a beautiful film and was um, accredited and accoladed uh, very extensively. I, I think I know what you're about to tell me. Um, but tell me why it got nominated for the Academy Award for Best um, Animated Feature and lost <laughs> to... Um, <laughs> here they are again. I'm going to have a stroke. Wallace and Gromit, uh, The Curse of the Were-Rabbit. It lost to... Listen, Wallace and Gromit is great. Uh, Howl's Moving Castle, it is not... Howl's Moving Ca- there's no reason it should not have won. That's and just wrong. I'm, I'm thinking the whole George Bush of it all is why it probably didn't win. <laughs> We've got names. Yay. Y'all know the drill by now. We're going with the character, the Japanese voice actor, and then the English voice actor. We have some people returning. I'm excited. I know. Let's go for it. All right. So playing our heroine, Sophie Hatter, she was originally voiced by Chico Baisho. Young Sophie is voiced by Emily Mortimer. Guys, welcome back, Emily Mortimer. She was in Elizabeth. Yes, she was with us when we did Elizabeth. Uh, she was in uh, Mary Poppins Returns. Yeah, she was in that. Yeah. <laughs> she was also in Aaron Sorkin's The Newsroom. Yes, you love that. And then Grandma Sophie is voiced by Jean Simmons, which the only note I have for her was, she was in Guys and Dolls, folks. Yeah. And if I were a watch, I'd start popping my or if I were a bell, I'd go ding dong, ding dong, ding. She was nominated for Hamlet in 1948. Like she is an old Hollywood hand. Yeah. And she oh, she passed away. She did. Yeah, like 10 years ago. A few people in this cast have since passed. Yes, bless they have. their hearts. All right, moving on to our titular character, Howell. All right. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. He was originally... He was originally... I'm sorry. Don't drag go, me. Go. <laughs> be gentle. All right. I was I was a youngin', okay? You, you can be lusty for Howell, I guess. He was originally voiced by Takuya Kimura, and he is voiced today by Christian Bale. Gross! <laughs> Not a fan of Christian Bale. I'm not, personally. I think he's kind of a horrible person, but... He may be. I don't know. He does seem That's like my opinion. Kind of a dick. Yeah, no, these I are I don't know him. These are two nobody's opinions. <laughs> he, Welcome to our show. He is the second Batman actor to provide a voice for a Ghibli film. Can you name the other one? Oh... Without no. <laughs> Without looking no, it up? I, no, I can't. I really cannot. Michael Keaton... He was in, he voices Porco Rosso. Oh, okay. The pig that flies the plane. Indeed. Then we have one of our antagonists, the Witch of the Waste. She was originally voiced by Akihiro Miwa, and she is voiced today by the incomparable, the elegant, the marvelous Lauren Bacall. Oh, 
Uh, ex-wife of Humphrey Bogart. Oh, uh, she she was so cool. She was a libtard her whole life, and she was proud of it. She used her platform to oppose McCarthyism. Yes. Uh, First of all, she's gorgeous. She's so gorgeous. She was gorgeous her whole life. But uh, what's more gorgeous than her form is her voice. Guys. Uh, she was perfect for this. She, she was 100% the woman to do it. I don't know if you guys have seen To Have and Have Not, but that scene where she asks Bogey if he can whistle. You know you don't have to act with me, Steve. You don't have to say anything and you don't have to do anything. Not a thing. Oh, maybe just whistle. You know how to whistle, don't you, Steve? You just put your lips together and blow. (laughs) I love it! So sultry! Uh, Next we have the scary fire demon, Calcifer. He was originally voiced by Tatsuya Gashuin, and today he is voiced by Billy Crystal. Guys, welcome back, Billy Crystal, to the show! We have an actual Billy Crystal character this week. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. <laughs> you know him. He was with us in The Princess Bride. Ah, uh-huh. Miracle Max. Yes. Uh, and he's in lots of things. He and Rob Reiner are like besties. I cannot wait to do Pixar shit. I know, no, I no, I cannot yeah. wait to do Pixar shit so we can do Monsters, Inc., so I can talk about Mike Wazowski. <laughs> It's going to be great. You are Mike Wazowski. A little bit. (laughs) Sometimes. Sometimes. Moving on. Next, we have Markle. Megan? No. Okay. (laughs) Just Markle. All right, all right. Markle, Hal's little apprentice. Uh Uh-huh. He was originally voiced by Rinosuke Kamiki, and today he is voiced by a little baby Josh Hutcherson. Like the babiest Josh Hutcherson. Yeah. Like starting out Josh Hutcherson. I love Josh Hutcherson. (laughs) I love him. He's very neat. He's a good person and he's cute. I know. (laughs) And not a bad actor And not a bad actor to boot. He was in The Bridge to Terabithia. Oh, God. Oh. (laughs) Why did everyone think that was so heart-wrenching? Because. I get it. The child dies. Spoiler. Sorry. It's been out for 15 years. But like, like I get it. Like, oh, that's so bad. And they found like this magical land together. And like, I get it. Like, it's not me going through it. And then (laughs) you guys will also recognize him from the Hunger Games. I have a thing for Peter Malark. I really do. Oh, gross. Is he problematic? Maybe a little bit. But like, you think? Gail's more problematic. I'm Team Peter. Ugh. I'm Team Peter all the way. I am not getting into this. All right. Playing Solomon, the king's head sorceress. I love how in Japanese it kind of looks like her name is Saruman. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> she was originally voiced by Haruko Kato, and today she is voiced by Blythe Danner. Will Truman's mom? Yes. From Will and Grace? Yes. If you've guys ever seen Meet the Parents. The Meet the Movies. Yeah, the Meet the Movies. <laughs> meet the Parents, the Fockers, the Little Fockers. Oh, God. I hate it. Uh, no. But she plays the mom in that movie. And do you know whose mother she is? Wait. I think I do. You do. Come on. Is it someone I can't stand? It's someone you can't stand. Well, then I'm going to have to go for who is Gwyneth Paltrow? Who is Gwyneth Paltrow? (laughs) Blythe! (laughs) Quit letting your daughter be a snake oil salesman. (laughs) That's weird as shit. Her Oscar win is considered to be one of the most what the fuck Oscar wins in all of history. (laughs) Oh, the shade. Oh, my God. Anyway, Blythe. And then just one more, because I when I saw he was uncredited, I was upset. So playing Heen the dog today, we have D. Bradley Baker. Who voices everything. Yeah, everything. Everything? 
everything. He makes the baby noises. He makes the droid noises, the alien noises. Like, it's just, he's everywhere, man. Let's talk about our setting for a couple of seconds, all right? Okay. We're in a town that kind of looks a lot like early 20th century France, right? Yeah. Like, with all the slant roofs and the cute little shops and, like, the cobblestone pavement. I get big World War One vibes from all of this. Yeah, like because that's the other thing, right? This land is at war. Yeah, a neighboring country who is the regressor. He, yeah, who are the aggressors? Yes, <laughs> are missing a prince. He's been kidnapped. He's been spirited away. Who the hell knows? Yeah, but he is missing, and that country believes this country is responsible for him b- disappearing. <laughs> no evidence, but. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We're going to go to war. And, like, there's military presence everywhere in this city. Occupation. Oh, my gosh. Let's all occupate and have a good time. (laughs) There's, like, a military parade, and there's tanks everywhere, soldiers filling the streets. It's real aggressive. Yeah. Another thing that's unique about this world is that magic is totally normal. Very HP. Like, it's just, yeah, it's very HP, only you don't have to be afraid of the muggles. You're right. The non-magic people. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's You can exist alongside them. Wizards and witches are well-known, they're a well-known thing, to the point where the king is drafting witches and wizards to fight in the war against this neighboring kingdom. Which brings us to Howl and his moving castle. Oh, boy. (laughs) Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I know. I know how you feel already. Uh (laughs) I can feel the energy coming across the table. Just like, that's he's a whole thing. Go on. (laughs) Just go on. Howell is a wizard, obviously, and he is a total flirt. What? I just can't with him. I know. (laughs) I, I can't. He's very tall, very charming, and he's a very powerful wizard. And instead of living in one place like a normal person... He lives in a moving castle. Yeah, because he has to be special and shit. It's not a castle, though. It's like a gigantic, nebulous, industrial symphony of creaking and groaning towers and spires. No, yeah, no, this is not a castle. This is, this looks like, this looks like a castle ate a bunch of other houses and homes, <laughs> threw it all up, and then sat on top of it. I got, yeah, really? <laughs> a house. And then put it on legs. Yeah, it's a house on chicken legs, right? Kind of like <laughs> Baba Yaga. Like Baba Yaga, the famous Russian hag <laughs> who ate children for breakfast. I love it when you said it in the Spirited Away episode and yeah. you said it like you were old friends. Baba Yaga! <laughs> I know that witch. Yeah. Our story actually begins, begins with the life of Sophie Hatter, who is just an 18-year-old girl living in her family's hat shop, trying to do her part. She's very shy, soft-spoken, and very conciliatory. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, like, I just feel like she's gonna, like, I feel like her whole affect is, oh my god, don't perceive me, and yes, I will do that for you right now. Yeah, just just (laughs) please don't look at me. Like, Sophie, Sophie's a lovely young lady, but she doesn't fancy herself very attractive or very fun to be around, and she doesn't think much about her own life or what she wants, and she just kind of tends to keep all of her feelings bottled inside. Can relate! (laughs) Can relate! Sophie, I love you. At the beginning of the movie, Sophie is on her way to visit her little sister, Letty at her little bakery that's around the corner or across town. Or the whatever. Little Letty Bakery? The Little Letty Bakery, <laughs> yes. Uh, she's c- 
cutting through an alley trying to get to the bakery when she's <gasps> set upon by two creepy soldiers. Not the rapey older men. No. Who are part of the military. This little mouse looks thirsty. We should take her for a cup of tea. No thanks, my sister's expecting me. She's pretty cute for a mouse. How old are you anyway? You live around here? Leave me alone. You see? Your mustache scares all the girls. So, I think she's even cuter when she's scared. That's terrifying to me. I, imagine being a woman! I know. Like, for God's sake! And that, thank God, is when the marvelous, the wonderful, the mystical... I will not tolerate this. <laughs> I will absolutely not be standing for this. I'm. How's another man? How's another man in my eyes? He is. He uh, is. He's just. I. I get it. He's a very powerful wizard, and he's here to save her. And I'm glad he's here to save her. But like, I'm over. I'm sick of it. You're sick of it I'm, already. I'm over it. <laughs> just not- look at him. Look at him. He's so. Be- you know he's trouble somewhere along the line. He's so beautiful though. Stop. <laughs> Looks like Lucius Malfoy. <laughs> Anyway, Howell appears at her side and says, uh, Consent is mandatory. Exactly! <laughs> there you are, sweetheart. Sorry I'm late. I was looking everywhere for you. Hey, hey, we're busy here. Are you really? It looked to me like the two of you were just leaving. He enchants those soldiers and makes them walk away. <laughs> I laughed. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> Ladies, don't you wish? They're so they're so creeped out. They're like, um, what's happening? I wrote, he is tall, he is blonde, has blue eyes. I'm such a sucker for all of it. I hate it. Good, you should. <laughs> you should be hating it. Because that's all a facade. <laughs> you know? I know. And there's cracks in the stem. I know. And it's gonna come pouring out. <laughs> He's another man. I know. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Howell offers to walk her the rest of the way to the bakery, casually informing her that he is being followed. Excuse me? It's time to talk about the Black Blob Boys. I love that band. (laughs) Black Blob Boys? Black Blob Boys. I wish they'd tour again. They start getting followed by these big, shadowy, black blob dudes. I actually became severely uncomfortable when this started happening. (laughs) I don't like the way they look. They look like, ah, I'm sorry. I I can't describe it. It's the same no face type physics, right? Yeah, I just wish that this was a visual medium sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, no, this would be a really great week for that. I'm like, ugh. These are the henchmen of the Witch of the Wastes. She is another powerful witch that lives in the region, and she is obsessed with Howl. The Black Blob Boys are just chasing them down this alley. It's very upsetting. It is, because they come. They cover the other end, too, and they're, they're like, going to get sandwiched. They're, like, coming in waves. And, like, when Howl just pulls them upwards out of the alley, and all of a sudden they're walking on the air. Come on. <gasps> Now, straighten your legs and start walking. See? Not so hard, is it? And that music. Oh, Joe. Joe. Jo- uh, I love it. I like it's just it put it's it's just booping over and over again on my brain. Just Do- It doesn't it make you feel like you're weightless? Yeah, I know. I just... I have dreams like that. I know! Where you can jump really high and then glide. Oh, oh like you're it. a flying squirrel? <laughs> sky cat. <laughs> I'm a little sky cat. 
he escorts her across town. Like, they get to go by the way of the crow all the way over to this bakery. And he sets her down on the balcony ever so gently. I'll make sure to draw them off. But wait a bit before you head back outside. Okay. That's my girl. And then he like jumps backwards off the balcony. I hate it. I'm a oh, I'm a sucker for it. He's just I just like I see another agenda behind those eyes. <laughs> I just absolutely melt I, and I hate it. I see, yep. <laughs> he's doing his job. As soon as Sophie arrives in the bakery, everybody starts wigging out because a lot of people saw Hal put her down on the balcony. <laughs> like, oh my god, did Hal just bring you home? Like, oh, like, yeah. Like, Hal? Like, with the castle? It's like a, it's like the equivalent of the quarterback bringing you home in his convertible. Oh god. Like, everybody wants to know, girl! I'm sick of it. But Letty, little Letty? Yeah, little Letty is here finally. <laughs> Letty is like, why were you with him, girl? That's so dangerous. He rescued me, Letty. Of course he did. He was trying to steal your heart. You are so lucky, Sophie. If that wizard were Hal, he would have eaten it. No, he wouldn't. Hal only does that to beautiful girls. Don't give me that. You need to be more careful. It's dangerous out there. It it reminded me of... Bilbo Baggins, I saw your visitor. Are you meddling with wizards? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that is very big Hobbit energy right there. And, like, she's like, girl, you gotta stay away from him. He's going to actually steal your heart and eat it. You know, it... <laughs> you know the you know the weird like perceptions that people have of certain groups of people yeah. that are just completely unfounded and untrue. Yeah. But they're convinced it might be a thing. Yeah. Like it th- I guess this is one of wizards in this world <laughs> that, that they will steal your heart and eat it. Yeah, I mean, hey, hey, it's not out of the realm of possibility. It's really not. As we will see later. You have a point. So the Black Blob boys report back to the Witch of the Waste, who we've yet to see. And report that they've seen a young girl in Hal's company, which she does not like. Yeah, I guess there might just be some old feelings coming up or something. I don't know. <laughs> She's jealous of her. She takes it pretty far, I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, she immediately goes to that hat shop after hours to confront Sophie. She just lets herself in. I saw you walking around with my man. <laughs> I'm sorry, but the shop's closed now, ma'am. I could have sworn I locked that door. I must have forgotten. What a tacky shop. I've never seen such tacky little hats. Yet you're by far the tackiest thing here. Lauren Bacall is here, everyone. Guys, I just... Ugh. She fills that door when she comes in. She fills any space she's in, Lauren uh, she, does. I mean, for real. <laughs> she is tall. She is regal. She has a fur hat on, purple matching dress. Neck. <laughs> yes. She's got neck. She has lots of neck. Bless her heart. I love it. She's got that great smoky voice, everybody. I uh, can't even. Like, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like gold. Yeah. Liquid gold. <laughs> Like a rent when I was like talking about who was I talking about? Jesse L. Martin. Oh yeah. And how his voice is like bronze. Mm-hmm. Well hers is like gold. <laughs> yes, you know ma'am. What I mean? uh, Sophie tries to throw her out, but like the witch of the waste just kind of flies through her. And yeah. It, yeah. Uh-uh. You didn't like that. Uh, did no, you? <laughs> I, I really didn't. I really didn't. And in the process, puts a curse on her. The door's over here, ma'am. We're closed. 
Standing up to the Witch of the Waste, that's plucky. The Witch of the Waste? <gasps> the best part of that spell is you can't tell anyone about it. My regards to Howl. <laughs> and like, when everything goes quiet again, and Sophie pulls her head up, and realize she's been turned into an old woman? That's so funny to me. Why? Because, like, the animation is, and combined with Gene Simmons transitioning to Gene Simmons' voice, like, it's just like, I, it was just funny. <laughs> because she's like, Shh. I mean, there's something in her face at first is like, when she goes to look in the mirror, she's like, no. <laughs> this is not happening. And then it's, ah, ah, <laughs> ah. That really is me, isn't it? <laughs> oh, 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 it's got to stay calm. Now there's no use panicking, Sophie. Go. It's a bad dream, that's all. Just go inside, go to bed. I would have gone more insane than that. Well, like, in this universe, curses are not an uncommon thing. But, like, she also doesn't want to stay in the hat shop because she can't explain to her family what happened. That's, like, one of the details of the curse, right? She can't tell anybody about the curse. Yeah, this happened so quickly. It's like she just decided that her life as she knew it was over. Yeah. And that she just had to leave. Like, I would have gone running right to my mother and been like, I'm old as fuck now. What do we do? Well, Help me figure this out. Since who, she's still a child. Well, well, she's not a child, but like she's still a young person. Like Who needs her mom, who right? Need, who needs help? Let's talk about her mom for just two seconds. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but I just say, because we're going to come back to her later, but I'll just say she does have a mother who seems to care about everything except spending time with her daughters. Yeah. Like, she just is more interested in fashion and her new husband. So, Sophie gets some food together, gets a shawl and a hat, and just wanders outside the city limits, out onto the wastes, which is really just how they refer to this rolling green countryside. I'm like, wastes? This is not. She stops for lunch, and she's already very tired, because she's like 90 now, physically. (laughs) And she sees this stick poking out of a bush, and she thinks she can use it as a walking stick. And she pries this stick out of the bush, and it turns out it's the bottom of a scarecrow with a turnip for a head. Hey, turnip head. His name is Turnip Head. I love the scarecrow. Just a scarecrow. I was afraid you were one of those blob men. But how are you standing on your own like that? Your head's a turnip. I've always hated turnips, ever since I was little. He's a magical scarecrow, and, like, he's so grateful to her for getting him unstuck that he just kind of bonds with her instantly. He keeps following her. She's like, no, you don't know me anything. Just go find a field and stand in it. He hops along on his post. (laughs) He's all by himself. And he brings her a walking stick. I don't know where he got it from. But yeah, he's just kind of helping her out and giving her things. She's like, while you're at it, since you're being so helpful, why don't you go find me a place to stay? And what does Turnip Head return with, Ross? Howl's Moving Castle. <laughs> he's just hopping he, up to her. He's like, hey, I found it. I love when every time he hops, his little hands flap up and down. <laughs> it's very pleasing. The little gloves stuck in his sleeves. <laughs> Thank you. 
for a place to stay. The castle itself is meant to be reminiscent of who Howl is supposed to be. A very powerful mess. And very dusty on the inside. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, Mm. yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. And so the castle stops long enough for her to get on, for her to pull herself onto it. And she just lets herself in. I guess she just, she don't care. She don't. She's like, oh, somewhere to stay. Exactly. I bet she's like, maybe I can hide in here, because how could you not? It looks very cottagey on the inside, that first room. It looks like like shit on the inside. What are you talking about? Well, no, it's definitely dirty, but it's supposed to be kind of cozy. There's a big fireplace and a kitchen and a dining table covered in magic crap, and no one seems to be home. So Sophie just goes and sits in front of the small fire. Yes, that tiny little flame burning in the stove area. And then that's when the fire starts speaking to her. Uh Uh-oh, talking fire. I don't envy you, lady. That is one bad curse. Curses are tough. You're going to have a very hard time getting rid of that one. The fire spoke. Let me guess. The curse won't allow you to talk about it, right? Are you a howl? No, I'm an extremely powerful fire demon named Calcifer. I just like to do that once in a while. It's Calcifer! I like Calcifer. He's so cute. He's got some great comic relief throughout this whole movie. And, I mean, come on. Billy Crystal and his comedic timing are here. (laughs) He's the Billy Crystal character. He makes a deal with Sophie that if she can figure out a way to break the spell that bonds him to the castle, he'll break the spell that's on her. Because that's how powerful he is. Yeah, but, like, what is he? He's a a demon. He's a fire demon, yeah. So demons exist in this world as well. Yes. The next morning, Sophie wakes up in that chair to someone knocking at the back door. And this is where we first meet Markle. He's like Howell's young apprentice, a very young apprentice. Where are his parents? (laughs) Did they sign off on this? He's like eight or nine years old. He might not have any, bud. He might just be as he is. Yeah, like, I don't know where he came from, but this is where he lives. And he is studying under Howell to learn magic. So instead of going to Hogwarts, he went to Howell? Yes. (laughs) And he helps Howell run his magic shops in various towns throughout the kingdom. Which, speaking of which... Now it's time to talk about the revolving back door. Uh Uh-oh. Like, the door that Sophie came in, there's a dial by the door with four different colors on it, and each one corresponds to a different location. And because of the spell that's on the house, depending on which color you turn to, that's where the back door opens to. And it always has the different facade. Yeah. To match each location. Yeah. The entire reason that Hal lives in a moving castle is because that's how he dodges the draft. (laughs) (laughs) You're a draft dodger, Harry. I'm a what? A draft dodger. (laughs) And a thumping good in it, that. (laughs) Because, like, the house, obviously, itself moves around on these giant chicken legs wherever he wants it to go. you realize they're on, like, mechanical legs, right? Yeah, no, yeah, it's mechanical. (laughs) I just don't want people to be picturing this thing moving around (laughs) on giant chicken legs. Anyway, moving on. And, like, he's able to conduct business in a centralized location via this back door. It's really very brilliant. It sounds like sneaky capitalism, I mean, I know. (laughs) He can just operate these businesses remotely. All in the middle of a war. All in the middle of a war. He's got two aliases. Pendragon, who is located out of Kingsbury, the royal capital. That one is more uh, clever, I think. Go go ahead with the other one. (laughs) Wizard Jenkins. Wizard Jenkins. From Port Haven. 
Mr. Bear, good day. Good afternoon, sir. Would the great wizard Jenkins be at home? I am afraid that my master is out at the moment. I speak for him in his absence. An invitation from His Majesty the King. The time for war is upon us. His Majesty requires that every witch and wizard aid our homeland. Both of these wizards have been summoned to appear before the king for duty in the royal army. He's got two dates to the same dance. And what do you think you're doing here, Grandma? Calcifer said that I could come in. I did not! She just wandered in here from the wastes. She's from the wastes? How do we know that she's not a witch? Do you really think I'd let a witch in here? Markle decides it's time for breakfast, and he you know how I feel about the anime food. I wanted all that bread and cheese. Yeah, Markle just wants bread and cheese, but Sophie actually wants to make bacon and eggs. But Markle tells her that Calcifer, as the fire, won't obey anybody but Master Howl. Dad says no using the stove while he's out. <laughs> Sorry. I don't cook. I'm a scary fire demon. La 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 la. <laughs> <laughs> I have that on a t-shirt. I love Billy. <laughs> I love that shirt. But what literally happens is that Sophie imposes her will on him. Little Sophie. Little Grandma Sophie. Yeah. She just shoves that frying pan in his mouth and starts throwing all the bacon on the pan. That's right. That's a good fire. Here's another curse. May all your bacon burn. Calcifer's doing what she says. I think I'd like some tea, too. Do you have a kettle? Sure. And Markle is surprised, is he not? Because he's like, oh my god, Calcifer's listening to her. Yeah, and which is a very big deal, apparently. What makes her so special? Like, ordinary people cannot do this. And guys, I guess this is as good a time as any to bring this up. Um, I didn't realize, as a wee lass, watching this for the first time, or at all since I started doing research, that Sophie is a witch. Like, the whole time. Yeah, Sophie's an actual witch the whole time. Like, it's way more spelled out in the book, but in the movie, they just kind of lead you to figure that out for yourself, and I felt so... Well, she never gets her visit from Hagrid. (laughs) So, you know. How are we supposed to know? But, like, and as an adult watching it, I I felt so stupid because they bring it up no less than five times. Sophie, are you a witch? And she always says no. And as a kid, I believed her. (laughs) But, like, Sophie can just will things to happen. It's very powerful magic, and she doesn't even know she can do it. So I guess Dad's home. (laughs) Yeah, Hal returns from wherever he was. She just says that she's hired herself as the new cleaning lady. And Hal is just sort of fine with that. I mean, what? I mean, come on. (laughs) He's got bigger problems, right? I mean, he does. And if Calcifer's gonna listen to her, (laughs) why the hell not? I get it, I get it. And he does not appear to recognize the old woman as Sophie, the young lady he escorted the other day. Uh Uh-huh. And, like, Sophie can't tell him who she is either, because that would require explaining the curse. Yeah. Like, that whole plot, (laughs) that whole plot cover, like, just really throws a monkey wrench into the situation. Like, when, like, when she tries to say it to Markle, Uh but she can't, and she gets (laughs) roll irate about it. Oh, my God. You're not working for the Witch of the Waste, are you? I would never work for that witch. She's the one who... If I 
ever get my hands on that witch, I'm gonna wring a fat neck! So she channels her rage for the Witch of the Waste into cleaning the castle. This is Mare. <laughs> this is my roommate Mare to a T. My roommate Mare is a little old lady who cleans for a living. She's like, what, 21 in actuality? <laughs> yeah, no, Mare's, Mare's three years younger than I am. Yeah. <laughs> and I love Calcifer during this part because she's going to go to ch- to clean the fireplace, and he's just kind of smoldering. He's like, help. <laughs> he's about to go out. And if he goes out, he dies. What the hell? So he becomes very dramatic. Sophie's cleaning out the fireplace and he's like, Sophie, please. Please, get me some firewood quick. Quick, come on. Hey, please help me. Hey, what, what are you doing? No, don't, don't. I'll fall. You crazy lady with tongues. You'll be fine. I'll fall, help. I'm just sweeping out the ashes. No, I'm not fine. <laughs> please, I'm, I'm going out. Please. The thing is, if he goes out, Hal also dies because they're bound to one another magically. Oh, my God. Like, that's the nature of the curse. They're bound to each other. Stupid curses. I know. And Markle sees her going upstairs to clean, and he doesn't want her to clean his room. What the fuck does this kid have in his room? (laughs) He is terrified at the thought of her going in his room. He's going up there to hide the nudie Judy tarot cards. You think so? I think he is. Uh, (laughs) Why? He's like, save my room for last, okay? Calcifer moves the castle to this place called Star Lake. (laughs) It's like this very peaceful little scene, beautiful, calm lake, and it's a really nice day. And guess who's back? Hmm. Turniphead. I guess he just comes with the castle now. <laughs> he like got himself stuck in a gear, I think. <laughs> I know. When she when she looks when she goes out on the balcony, right? Yeah. And she sees him just turned over inside of a gear. <laughs> and I'm like, buddy, what are you doing? Oh, that's a scarecrow. Yep, I've been calling him Turniphead. Somehow he always manages to get stuck upside down. He keeps following me everywhere. Seems to have taken a liking to me. Is like in love with Sophie now, honestly. You think so? Yeah, because she saved him. So he I, doesn't talk. I know. So. <laughs> that night, we get a glimpse into where Hal goes when he leaves the castle. He usually goes out the door with the black disc, right? Mm-hmm. But no one knows where that goes but Master Hal. Yeah. And so he gets back from where he's going, even though he's dodging the draft. He still turns into this giant black bird monster type thing, and he flies into war zones to sabotage both sides of the war. He's just being a troll. He's fucking with both sides of the war. He hates the war. He thinks it's pointless. Well, so why is he making it more difficult? (laughs) You know, that's a fair point, but like, I think he's trying to prevent the violence and death. You think so high of his intentions. <laughs> you think so high of his intentions, and it's because you're transfixed. I No, listen, I do understand. I'm sick of him. <laughs> no, I know, I know. I don't blame you at all. Okay, can we talk about how he peeks in on Sophie and she's young again? Well, yeah, when she when she's like sleeping in a cabinet, I don't know what the <laughs> hell she's sleeping in, but he slides that door back and she's just she's just Sophie again. Yeah, she's not Grandma Sophie. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> What's up with that? This is where I started to more understand how she is sometimes young and sometimes really old because she's unconscious right now. 
She doesn't have any of her low self-esteem inhibiting her from doing powerful magic. And I bet in her dreams, she's dreaming about being young again. We need to both be better about not being such grandmas during the day. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And being our young, vibrant selves. Yes. I think, I honestly think she's dreaming about it and it's a wish. So she's wished herself unconsciously back into her young form. She can break this spell. With her magic. (laughs) Yes. She can break the Shrek magic that's on her. Yeah. But she's so, she's so unconfident in herself that she can't actively do it when she's awake, bless her soul. So Marco and Sophie return home the next morning from the market and Howell is finishing a bath in his clean bathroom. Uh And this is where he starts screaming. He runs downstairs and shows Sophie that his hair has turned red because she cleaned up his non-organization of his shampoo bottles. I like it. I think I he- think he looks better that way. <laughs> You're just saying that because he hates it. No, that's my favorite look of his. You like red-haired Howl. Yeah. Awesome. And nothing but a towel, sure. <laughs> what a pretty color. It's hideous! You completely ruined my magic potions in the bathroom! I just organized things, Howl. Nothing's ruined. Wrong! Wrong! I specifically ordered you not to get carried away! Now I'm repulsive. I can't live like this. Speaking of colors, though, this is one of the worst colors on him. This vanity that he expresses. And like in the book, he spends hours and hours in the bathroom staring at himself in the mirror. I don't doubt it for a second. (laughs) I don't doubt it for a second. He's very, very obsessed with how he looks. Of course. And he sits down, head in his hands, and he actually says, I don't see the point in living if I can't be beautiful. I'm sick of it. (laughs) I'm sick of it. Then he starts to get scary. Yeah, what the fuck? He makes the whole room go dark and black smoke starts coming out of the corners and he's suddenly covered in sad green slime. He literally just regresses. He's oozing his feelings. His feelings are manifesting themselves through his magic. As Nickelodeon primetime slime. (laughs) Hal, cut it out, cut it out. I'm gonna drown. I'm drowning here, Hal. Sophie, Sophie, help him, please. Sophie, do something. Such drama. Is he dead? No, he's fine. He's just throwing a tantrum. Come on, give me a hand. I I love how she just makes like Chihiro in the bathhouse. It's like, okay, let's get you in the bath. (laughs) Hal ends up admitting to her that the reason he's been feeling so down lately is that he's always running from everything. Stick to vodka and stop. (laughs) Just stop running from everything, Hal. He's sick of running from the Witch of the Waste, who's obsessed with him, and he's running from the government, who wants to draft him, and he's just so sick of being a coward. So instead of dealing with those feelings, Hal comes up with the bright idea that Sophie should report to the palace in his stead, posing as his mother, and say that he's too much of a coward to fight in the war. (gasps) I got it. Why don't you go to the palace for me? Huh? Just say that you're Pendragon's mother. And your son is such a cowardly wizard, he's too afraid to show his face. Maybe then Madame Solomon will finally give up on me. Who's Madame Solomon? This is like a sitcom episode. (laughs) 
<laughs> two dates to the same dance? Yeah, like, <laughs> this is some Mrs. Doubtfire shit. But instead of going himself, he's going to send the little old lady. Come on, Howell. <laughs> he's literally standing behind a little old lady. Before she leaves... He gives her this charmed ring that's going to help her find her way back to the castle. Is it the one ring? It's not the one ring. Damn. No. But it is a magic ring, and he promises her that he'll follow along in disguise so that he can protect her. Like Sirius Black. Yeah, kind (laughs) of. We walk with Sophie through Kingsbury on her way to the palace, and we meet Heen, the dog. Heen? Yes. Heen is actually Madame Solomon's dog. He's here to escort her. But Sophie thinks it's Howl in disguise, and he's just escorting her to the palace. Going up, sir. (laughs) Mind the steps, sir. So now we get to meet with Madame Solomon. Madame Saruman. No, Madame Solomon. Saruman. (laughs) She's hardly Madame Saruman, yeah. okay? She looks like Mrs. Claus done up like a witch. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> Madame Solomon is the head witch in charge. She answers directly to the king. She's in charge of a lot of the magic war strategy, things like that. She is Howell's old mentor and master, and he's very afraid of her. I'm getting Umbridge vibes. Just a little bit, yeah. You know what I mean? So Sophie comes up upon the palace in Kingsbury, and guess who's here? It's the Witch of the Waste, who's also received an invitation from the king. So tell me, what business do you have here at the palace? Job hunting. I'm sick of working for Howell. And what about yourself? I received a royal invitation. That idiot Sullivan finally realized how much he needs my powers. If you're so great, why don't you break the spell you put on me? I'm sorry, dear. My talent lies in casting spells. Not breaking them. There's this magical block on the palace. Uh oh. And now Sophie and the Witch of the Waste are gonna have to like haul they asses up this big thing of stairs. This is big. We we both identify uh, for real in this scene because they can't use magic to get themselves up there. And she's got so many necks to haul all the way up. And Sophie's so old. This whole sequence just seems a little hateful towards the fat and the old. Like, this palace is not ADA compliant, for one. And second of all, (laughs) it's not that many stairs, relatively, but it still makes the Witch of the Waste a sweaty, fussy mess. Like, she literally gets shorter. Yeah, she, like, kind of deflates like a flan. Like, this, this, this staircase, like, destroys her. And that was the whole point, I think, all along, bud, was to weaken her. Wait... Help! I can't make it. What you say? You suddenly remembered how to break the spell you put on me. I told you. I don't know how. Then start studying. When they get inside that palace, Sophie and the Witch of the Waste are separated. The Witch of the Waste is taken into this other room where all these lights go on. And suddenly we have little shadows dancing around her. Yeah. Um, she hardcore gets, like, uh, taken. Yeah. <laughs> we'll come back to that in a hot second. And then Sophie gets led out into this gorgeous greenhouse. Can you believe this? I know. I, I want to be there. I want to be there so bad. Uh, okay. Anyway, sorry. I got to stop thinking about it. Sophie and Solomon are suddenly face to face. And it's worth noting 
here that although Sophie is normally walking with a stoop, she's walking completely upright. She's lost her osteoporosis hump. Yeah, it's like she's slowly willing herself a little younger. Uh-huh. Like as she's psyching herself up to go see this powerful witch. She's walking just a bit taller now. Yeah, and I'm just like, I don't, I can't believe I've never caught on to that before. I am Madame Salomon, His Majesty's head sorceress. I take it Hal won't be joining us? He's such a lazy son, he sent me instead. I'm afraid the king would find him completely useless. I'm very sorry to hear that. Hal was the last apprentice I ever took on. I've never seen such a gifted student. She's the one who trained Hal in magic. He was her most promising apprentice. Head witch in charge. Yes, the head witch in charges. Yes. <laughs> most promising apprentice. Before his heart was stolen by a demon. Huh. I wonder who that was. Oh boy, I wonder. And she says, I fear if he keeps it up, he'll end up just like the witch of the waste. Bring her in. Ah, ah, ah! The Witch of the Waste is now the Witch of the What the Fuck! <laughs> Solomon has drained her of all her powers. Yeah, she, what does she look like? She, I can't even describe what she looks like now. She kind of looks like a raisin. She's been restored to her true age and she looks so old. She looks like a fat Squidward. I mean, a little bit. <laughs> that old Squidward, yeah. <laughs> Solomon looks at her and goes, see this? If Hal doesn't come fight for me, I'm going to do this to him too. And this is where Sophie finds her voice. She starts talking, and she's growing younger and younger as she talks. Back to Emily Mortimer. Yeah. <laughs> that is enough. Now I understand why Hal was so concerned about coming to see you. It's a trap. You lure people here with an invitation from the king, and then you strip them of all their powers. Howl would never be so heartless. He may be selfish and cowardly, and sometimes he's hard to understand. But his intentions are good. He just wants to be free. Howl won't come here. He doesn't need your help. He can fix his problem with his demon on his own. I'm certain of it. I love it for her. I love it. She's willing herself to break this curse. But it's almost like she kind of has to hold it for 30 seconds, like when you're trying to restart a computer. If she, <laughs> if she, if she doesn't hold it down long enough, like, it's not going to restart. <laughs> I love this bit where Hal comes in and pretends to be the king, trying to pull a wool over Solomon's eyes. I was fooled. You were? I was 100% fooled. I thought it was the king. And then the actual king comes running in to tell <laughs> Solomon something. And I just, I, did you see me? I was just shaking my head. I was like, it's fucking Howl, isn't it? This man had the balls to impersonate the king. I like to think that Solomon knew the whole time. I No, I totally believe she did. She's like, that's kind of a crummy disguise. I thought I taught you better. So nice to see you again, Howl. You're looking well, Madam Solomon. Rather weak disguise. Didn't I teach you better? I'm not trying to outwit you. I kept my oath. I reported when summoned. Now mother and I will go. I'm afraid not. He starts to fly Sophie out of the palace with the Witch of the Waste and Heen hanging from their skirt tails. They're the new um, Harpy and Bo yeah, of this adventure. From like Spirited Away yeah. when the baby <laughs> and the bird went along for the ride. Yeah. yeah. And this is where we get this really visually stunning sequence where Solomon surrounds them in the air 
with these, like, I think they're magic sprites or maybe fallen stars or something. It's like they're being targeted in the sky. Yeah, and they start holding hands and circling like they did with the Witch of the Waste, and they're chanting. Hal manages to get them out of there. He, like, puts Sophie and the Witch of the Waste and Heen on this tiny little aircraft and just sends them in the direction of the castle. <laughs> the Witch of the Waste. Nice doggy. She's got Heen on her lap. She just likes being with the... She's so content. She doesn't have any more power to be petty over anymore. Yeah. And she's just content sitting there with that dog. She's still the Witch of the Waste, but she's just kind of harmless now. Yeah. Just this harmless old broad. The only problem with the little aircraft is that Sophie doesn't know how to land it. Oh, yeah. Poor panicking Sophie. Just like, okay, I'm flying an aircraft. Never done this before. And then they get up. They go out to the waist and they come up on the castle. And she's like, I don't know how to stop this thing. <laughs> and she just crashes it. Sophie! Here! Marco, help me. How am I supposed to land this thing? I'm home. Are you hurt? Well, I missed you. I missed you too. Thanks for coming to meet us. I love it. Markle missed her so much. Aww. He loves her so much. I find it so dear. She makes him breakfast. I know. (laughs) I bet he hasn't had a maternal figure in his life for a very long time. (laughs) How late making Markle breakfast? Not. He's absolutely not. Casper ain't budging. Nope. Somebody take care of this kid. It's nighttime again. There's a huge hole in the wall, but somehow everybody feels safe enough to sleep. Sure. And Sophie's in her bed, and she's young again. Ugh. And she hears Howl come in from the from the war or whatever, being a war troll. And he, she follows him up to his bedroom. Oh, my God. Where he's basically hollowed out a tunnel in his room. What is happening? He is it, like, this looks like it looks like he is in the rectum of his house. I know. <laughs> of this castle. He's just tunneled back through his room. It's terrifying. He's it's like he's trying to crawl under the porch and die. Like I don't mean to be dark. <laughs> oh, oh shit. He's so deep into this magic and he's so far away from his humanity right it's now. Like drug abuse or something. Sort of, sort it's of. That's what it's reminding me of. And he's just curled up as giant evil night bird and just at the end of the tunnel. Breathing and growling. Just play it for me. Go away. No, I'm not going away. I'm going to help you break the spell that you're under. You you can't even break your own spell. But you don't understand. I love you. You're too late. <laughs> Ow, no. And then he just disappears, flies off. How we were not talking about me. Oh my god. How we were talking about you. I hate him right now. I know why you don't like him. I hate him right now. He's being a problem. The next morning, in order to make up for being a jerk to her, Hal announces that the weird little family that they've now amassed, consisting of himself, Markle, Sophie, the now harmless witch of the wastes, and Heen the dog, we're all going to be moving today. And Turniped. Oh yeah, and Turniped. And Turniped. I forgot about Turniped. Don't forget about Turniped. 
And so the way they, quote, move is that Howl's going to cast this very powerful spell that's not only going to change the inside of the house, but it's going to change the colors on the dial at the back door. Because now Solomon knows where they are, right? And they need to get out of Dodge. Yeah. Remember in Mermaids, whenever there was a family problem, Cher would just move them? Yes! Uh, Oh my god! Sounds like we're still not dealing with the problem here, Hal. Oh my god! We're just going to move. I hate that. I hate that you pointed that out because she made me so mad in that movie. I know. And I feel like he could get away with murder. So it's just, I hate it. He goes to cast this spell and this is really cool. He like has to take Calcifer out of the fire on a shovel Uh and stand in the middle of the room. On my mark. The entire inside of the castle look like Sophie's hat shop, so she'll feel more at home. Uh, and another one of the new locations that's bound to the door is one of Howell's favorite childhood haunts. It's like this little cottage by a beautiful lake, with and it's like surrounded by fields of wildflowers. Mm, sorry, I love it. He, I just, I want to be in that meadow. And it's a present for Sophie. Yeah, now it's getting a little deep. He calls it his secret garden. Did you use your magic to make this? Only a little, just to help the flowers grow. And once again, Sophie appears younger and younger. It's really happy there for a few minutes. <gasps> This place is gorgeous, Hal. It's like a dream. Like, it's almost too happy. (laughs) Like, Sophie looks at him and goes, wait a minute, you're scaring me. I feel like you're going to leave. And (laughs) Oh, (laughs) oh no. And he's just trying to set them up to be comfortable if he does have to leave. Like, and then he does shit like that. I know. And I'm like, come on, dude. You're killing me here. Okay, we have to talk about something that makes me very mad and and does not get dealt with in any way. Okay. We got to talk about how Sophie's mother sold them out to Solomon. Sophie's mother randomly shows up at the hat shop. Like, it's obviously bound to the castle now, so they're all there, Sophie and the witch and Markle and all of them. Yeah. She sees that Sophie is old, but just is completely okay with it. Yeah, like, it's very weird. She doesn't have really a lot of questions. Everyone's saying it's my fault that you left. (laughs) You'll forgive me, oh, won't you? (laughs) Oh, Sophie. Mother. Oh, I forgot to tell you, I got married again. He's such a nice man, and he's filthy rich, too, so we can all live together again. You won't have to work as a cleaning lady anymore. That's all right, Mother. I actually like living here. And she goes out and gets in the car and she gets in the car and they're driving away and it's a castle guard driving the car. Yeah. And she turns to him and goes, I did what I was told. Now take me to my husband. Yes, ma'am. I'm sure Madam Solomon will be very pleased with you. Forgive me, Sophie. She sold her child, her firstborn child out to the king to save a husband she just married. And nothing- some fucked up priorities, lady. Nothing comes of that. She never has to answer for that. And it just, 
It makes her mother. I, it, I'm yelling, and I'm sorry. I'm kind of hurting my voice a little how, bit. How traumatic! I like, just, I just, it makes me so mad. But that's how Solomon figures out where they are. So it's later that night. They're all relaxing in the parlor of the hat shop, and in my notes, I have and a five, six, seven, eight firefight. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> like, I mean, I don't mean to laugh, but at the same time. The enemy kingdom starts bombing the community, and Solomon's little henchmen, the ticks with wings, yeah. they show up to make trouble, because now they know where they're all hiding. Uh-huh. This is exciting. I love it. Everything's falling. Everything's crashing. The Witch of the Waste is just sitting on the couch with Markle cowering in her lap. This is exciting. (laughs) Oh, my God. She barely knows where she is right now. This is a different person. Sophie immediately goes into damage control mode. And I love this point in the movie because she's so confident that at this point, she's visually only 50 now. Yeah. And she's slowly going to get younger and younger, and then she's just going to stay young. Big Nanny McPhee vibes. (laughs) We're just getting hotter and hotter as time goes on. A little bit, yeah. (sighs) Hal shows up out of nowhere to literally catch a bomb that's about to fall on the hat shop. He just, like, keeps it from exploding. (sighs) Okay. Howell who was throughout this entire movie dodging the draft, has now shown up in the 11th hour to fight for something. Deus es how? (laughs) I'm sick of it! Stay here. Calcifer will protect you from the henchmen. I'll stand guard out front. No, wait, how? Don't go out there. It's too dangerous. Another wave's coming, and Calcifer's too weak to stop the bombs. Let's run. Don't fight them, how? Sorry, I've had enough of running away, Sophie. And now I've got something I want to protect. It's you. Oh, Oh, I love it. He loves her. Okay. Even if he has acted like a fuck for most of this. He's kind of overcorrected at this point. Like, he's he went from not fighting at all to fighting to the point where he's definitely going to get himself killed. It's where was this energy before? <laughs> Against the aggressing country. Right, for real. Like, like fight for your country. Like, come on. But also war is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up. So what Sophie decides to do is that she has to break the bond between the castle and the hat shop. Because if she breaks that bond, Hal will stop trying to protect the hat shop. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is the part where it gets messy magically. Yeah. So in order to get him to stop and break this connection, she needs to move everybody outside the castle, like onto the wastes, and remove Calcifer from the fire because he's the one who's holding up the house. Calcifer's literally the thing that drives the whole house, right? Yeah, he's like the big battery. We're ready. Okay, step back. Make sure I go out last, Sophie. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm sure it won't be good. She's not three feet over the threshold, and the entire house just collapses like a house of cards. Oh it's just a heap of house now. <laughs> heap of house. <laughs> he make a nice heap. He make a nice heap. 
Sophie carries Calcifer back in through the wreckage, puts him back in the fireplace, and tells him to take what's left of the castle to Howl, so he knows that the connection is broken. Yeah. But this castle's a mess. Yeah, it's pretty much done, right? Like, he can't pick it up because it's in such a shambles. And he doesn't have hands. Yeah. (laughs) There's also that. There's that. But the magic power, he's really zapped of his magical power, and he needs Sophie to sacrifice something so that he can have some extra power. And Sophie... Oh, no. Sophie gives him the silver braid of her hair. This gives him just enough power to pick up part of the castle and get it moving towards the city. (laughs) Just dragging the castle. (laughs) Sophie turns to him and says, This is great, Calcifer. (laughs) (laughs) You're doing an amazing job. Thanks, Calcifer. You're fantastic. Imagine what I could have done with your eyes or your heart. That's it. You've got Howl's heart! I found it! Remember when Solomon said that Howl's heart was stolen by a demon? Indeed. Calcifer's obviously the one who has it. What? And uses it as a great source of power for their magic. What? And that's why they're bonded to each other. He stole his heart. And the Witch of the Waste has to have it. She can see Howl's heart in the fireplace with Calcifer. What the fuck is this? She grabs it up in her greedy little hands, and so she's literally holding it in her hand, and she catches fire. Yeah! Sophie's like, no, give it back, give it back, please! We need that! And she panics so much that she throws a bucket of water on her and douses Calcifer. It's hot! Now it's just all bad. She just put him out. Remember, if he goes out, then Hal will die too. And because the witch removed him from the fire, the house starts falling apart again. And he and the dog and Sophie are separated from the rest of the group. (laughs) Their half of the house, like, falls into this chasm. And just, they all fall out at the bottom. Ghibli is so much more frustrating than I remember as a child. I know, right? The whole time I'm just like, oh my god, now this? <laughs> yeah! It just gets worse and worse there for a minute. And this, and, I, and I feel so bad for Sophie. She's sitting at the bottom of this chasm, sobbing. Because she may very well have killed two of her friends. She can't even do her life on the run right. Remember that charmed ring? Oh my god, the ring. It leads her to the remains of the front door of the castle. Yeah, what? When the castle broke apart, it was stuck on the black color wheel. Remember? Oh yeah, that's right. Only Master Hal knows where the black door goes. And Sophie, like, walks into this black void. (laughs) The void. Just looking for Hal, following the ring. And when she comes out of the darkness, she's beside the lake. That Hal showed her in his childhood haunt, remember? Yeah. The one with the wild flowers that was the gift to her. Uh-huh. And she walks out onto the dock by the cottage, and she can see a tiny howl. Tiny howl. A childhood howl walking in the pasture under a sky full of falling stars. I know where I am. I'm in Hal's childhood. We're like back 
fucking time. Yeah. We're in Howell's childhood. Like, none of this makes any sense, but okay. I mean, I guess that means that the black door is time travel. Aren't wizards not supposed to fuck with time? Isn't that a fundamental law of magic? Haven't you been complaining about Howell and his ways the whole time? Of course he has no regard for the laws of time. <sighs> he doesn't... What's that? The fabric of space-time? Oh, no worries there. <laughs> she watches little baby Howell catch a falling star. And put it in your pocket. He does not Never put it... let it fade away. He, he does not put it in his pocket. He puts it in his mouth. It's like, it's like as a child and you're orally fixated and you're just putting <laughs> shit in your mouth for no goddamn reason. You're like, wow, that's really shiny. I want to eat that. Yeah. <laughs> and so he swallows the star. That's how Calcifer's created. And they are now bonded to each other. He has Howl's heart. And this is where the fabric of space-time breaks down. Oh my god, this is all ridiculous. Like, time's trying to correct itself, and she calls out to them. <laughs> ha! not happen in the book, by the way. That's like one of the biggest differences is that there is no time travel bullshit. Isn't this kind of like what's going on with the Sailor Scouts? I mean, sort of. Find me in the future? or No, find me in the past, more like it. Yeah. Okay, okay. Sorry. When Sophie and Heen exit the black door to the time portal, they just find an injured half-bird howl waiting for them outside the door. He's not dead, but he doesn't really seem to be present. This is all over the place. Like, there's like a vacant look in his eye, probably because he's lost his connection to his heart. I can't believe this was a book. I know, right? And apparently there's so much more that happens in the book, and there's so much going on in this film. I know! He takes her to what's left of the castle, which has literally... What's left of it? It's literally been reduced to a single wooden platform on the robot chicken legs. Stop. (laughs) They're just robotic legs. They are robotic chicken legs. They're not chicken legs. Hal falls down and fades back into human form. This is where Sophie has to get a tearful, pathetic, lovelorn witch of the wastes to play nicely and give Hal his heart back. Like, I'm sick of this person. You're sick of the witch of the wastes? I'm sick. Yeah. Like, she has been nothing but problematic the whole time. (laughs) The whole time. I get it. I get it. She's a constipator. She disturbs our shit, and we find that annoying. Like, I feel like that would be a personal hell for me. Uh, Yeah. A witch curses me, and then I have to spend the rest of my existence with this witch? I mean, Sophie opts to be kind to the Witch of the Waste, doesn't she? There it is again. Like, instead... Choosing to be a human being. Instead of being cruel to her, and believe me, she would deserve it. I can make you better. Yeah. Yeah. Like, she shows compassion instead of vengeful behavior. Well, I'd be feeling vengeful. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) I get it. I get it. Like, I would literally find a chasm to toss this witch in. Hal needs that back now. Don't look at me. I don't have it. I don't know what you're talking about. Please... Please give it back. You really want it that badly? Yes. All right, then. You'd better take good care of it. Okay. Here, dear. Deus Witch of the Waste, I guess. <laughs> it's hardly that. She just gave the heart back. Well, yeah, but she, we need that. She, me- she made the right choice in the end. 
And, like, she puts him back in Hal's chest. Yeah. And Calcifer just kind of breaks away from him and shoots off into the sky. Kind of, it's got big genie from the end of Aladdin vibes. Yeah. He's like, I'm free, I'm free. He's a star again. I love it. He's a shooting star again. I'm alive. I'm alive. Look, I'm free, free. And because he's turned back into a star, the platform can't stand anymore. And the platform goes sliding down the hill towards the cliff. Yeah. And Turnip Head sacrifices his pole <laughs> to save all of their lives. Not his pole. It snaps off. And I just love it. The, the drama, the drama. She goes, his pole snapped. Are you all right? We'll get you a new pole, okay? You saved us, Turnip. And she kisses him. And I shit you not, ladies and ladies. Thank you, Sophie. I'm the prince who's been missing from the neighboring kingdom. Somehow I got that blasted spell put on me. I know that spell. A kiss from your true love breaks it. That's right. If it weren't for Sophie, I would have been a scarecrow for the rest of my life. Prince was with them the whole time. You always had the power to stop the war, Dorothy. <laughs> I have in all capital letters. So who's going to tell him that she's in love with Howell? <laughs> okay, yeah, no. Th- what's his name? Justin? Prince Justin. Prince, what the fuck? Okay. He's a nice boy. I'm sure he is. Our beloved turnip head. And I wonder how he got turned into a turnip head in the first place. He doesn't seem to remember. And I mean. That's never explained to us. And then to find out that you and your neighbors have been fighting this gigantic war over your disappearance. <laughs> about that with missing persons sometimes yeah and how their cases can become so messy yeah and how many battles can be fought over their disappearance i'm just like what if they just knew like wouldn't that suck i love it how wakes back up once he gets feeling in his chest back Ow. what's going on what am i doing here i feel terrible like there's a weight on my chest a heart's a heavy burden wow sophie your hair looks just like starlight it's beautiful you think so? So do I. Oh yeah, cause her hair. Sophie's hair is all short and silver still, because like she's broken the curse on herself, but she's gonna retain like her gray hair, like as <laughs> because you went through all of that. Yeah, it's like a, you're gonna remain gray-headed, like a symbol of maturity, right? I think it's a symbol of trauma, but like. <laughs> well, that's not the way Hal looks at it. I love it. He looks. Well, very... I don't really care how Hal looks at it, do I? <laughs> Because he's a shit. <laughs> and then they kiss and, and, and they're a thing. And, 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 and Ross pointed something out to me about the end of this movie that I'd also never noticed. They repair the castle together. Yes. As witch and wizard, husband and wife or whatever. Sure. And they fix it up all nice and they turn it into a flying castle. It's really, really, really With cool. With a shooting star to power it. Yeah, because Calcifer sticks around. He can fly now. I love it. He comes back, or when he comes back and lands in Sophie's hands and he's like, I missed you guys. Oh. <laughs> that, that is cute. I love that it. That is cute. And so, yeah, they're just flying through the world now, avoiding more war. Because even though Justin said he was going to go back and stop the war, there's still war happening. There's still airships mobilizing. (laughs) We tried to save the world and we just made it worse. Yeah, I mean, I guess. I don't know what's going on, but I love it. They're just flying in the other direction. Like, nope. 
nope, no more war. Absolutely not. You know what? We're just going to be pacifists now. We don't do war. War. What is it good for? Absolutely, Absolutely nothing. nothing. Guys, yeah, you know, I really do like this movie. I really do. It's very cute. The cast of voices that we have here mm-hmm. together, like, I think it's kind of sad that, like, in a lot of, you know, animated movies, you do the table read with everybody, and, you know, that might be it. <laughs> you never see them again? Like, I like it still seems to work flawlessly. Sometimes they do have them record in booths together. Like, yeah. a lot of The Road to El Dorado, which is some of the greatest voice actor rapport I've ever seen. Uh-huh. The, Kevin Klein and Kenneth Branagh did record a lot of their dialogue together. Good. Like so That's good. That can work. And I agree. I think I love the voice cast we have in this movie. Some incredible talent. It's just how I can't stand it. I know. Like we're all supposed to be caught up in the mystical whimsy and <laughs> you know attractiveness of Howl, and I'm like, I am not falling for it! He's so beautiful. Not today, Grand Sorcerer! (laughs) Supreme Mugwump! I get it! Chief Warlock! I get it! Like, there are qualities about him that are highly undesirable, but, like, that's kind of what I like about this movie, to be honest. I feel like, with the exception of Sophie, we don't really have heroes and villains here. Like, even Solomon, in all her evil ways, by the end of the movie is like the Von Tussles. She turns it around and decides the war is stupid. We should start a campaign to get justice for Sophie um, at the hands of her mother. Yeah, for real! Uh, Let's start a Facebook campaign called, What the Hell, Mom? (laughs) The person that did her the dirtiest, I did not expect to be her mother. Petition for a sequel to get justice for Sophie. (laughs) And like, Hal's obviously a hero at the end, but he doesn't behave like it most of the time. Yeah, I'm sorry, you're never going to get me to give Hal the credit that everyone thinks he deserves. (laughs) I guess you could kind of... Make the argument that with her confidence or being just herself and, like, loving him no matter what, that, I don't know, she makes him <laughs> she makes him better. I, I don't know. Like I mean, hey, women are not rehab centers for damaged men, okay? You're never going to get me to go with that. If but- I hadn't met cleaning grandma, the world would be in tatters. I guess. Uh- I'm sick of it! Anyway, thanks for sticking around for that, guys. Thank you for putting up with me and all of my howl lusting. It, it was fun to cover anime. I can't, I, I, it'll be fun to cover more of it. I think maybe we can get another one in during my birthday month. Well, that will be up to you, won't it? <laughs> yeah, of course uh, it will. Birthday months are nigh. <laughs> oh, they're coming. They'll be here before you know it. But guys, um, no regular episode next week. We're going to take the holiday. Happy Memorial Day to everybody. Hopefully you'll bring us along with you in your long car rides up to the cabin or wherever the hell you're going. <laughs> wherever the hell you're going. With your mask on, I hope. Please. When we come back, it'll be June. And uh, and the corporations are schwitzing. Oh, yeah. Putting rainbows on everything, oh, baby. God. 
Guys, uh, return with us uh, Monday, June 7th. We're going to have a great lineup coming for you in, in Pride Month. I have given Ross special permission to break the rules for our very first show of Pride Month. Okay, guys. Just like, I got this idea in my head and I really wanted it to happen. I'm so glad Carrie Ann's letting me make it happen. If you're a kicking and streaming listener, you know that we only really cover stuff between 1980 and now. <laughs> but we're going to bend that rule a little bit. We are going to be covering one of the most beloved films of all time, the 1939 classic, The Wizard of Oz. Oh, guys, tune in for that next week. We're going to be talking about Judy. We're going to be talking about why the gays love Judy. We're going to be talking about the movie, and we're going to be talking about a lot of historical context. It's, it's going to be a packed subject. Get ready for just a packed episode, guys. In the meantime, you can go follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at Kicking and Streaming Podcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, folks, practice the three R's. Rate, review, retweet. Rate, review, retweet. Guys, we want you all to be able to join our little watch party. More quality content coming to you from Kicking and Streaming. Until then, I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And as always, sorry, sorry Mom. Mom. All right, let's go watch The Wizard of Oz. <gasps> There's no place like home. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. <laughs> Gothic news, gothic news, gothic news.